Hello and welcome to Gifts of the Weird. I'm John, your host, and I am looking forward to having a chat today with our guest, Iris Sonia Moon. And um, this is really great to have her with us because uh, I've really enjoyed reading the book uh, about the Norns uh, and um, I'm looking forward to get through with this. So Iris Sonia is a Moon Books author who has published four books, Pagan Portals, Reclaiming Witchcraft, Pagan Portals, Aphrodite, Goddess of Love and Beauty and Initiation. Practically Pagan, an alternative, alternative guide to well to health and well-being. I got a little head on that. And Pagan Portals, Iris, Goddess of the Rainbow and Messenger of the Gods. She is also a priestess, teacher, and initiate of the reclaiming tradition. She has taught classes and camps around the world. Her latest book is in the Pagan Portal series and is entitled The Norns, Weavers of Fate and Magic. Iris Sonia, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I actually have written more books than that, so I I could add to that list. <laughs> so hilariously, I'm, I'm trying to keep track myself. So, um, so yeah, in the Pagan Portals, I've done Reclaiming Witchcraft, Aphrodite, Iris, uh, the Norns, and then pretty soon is going to come out uh, Gaia and Artemis and Circe. And then uh, that aren't pagan portals are the Earth Spirit series. So I've done Honoring the Wild. And actually, I, I misspoke. Gaia's in the Earth Spirit series. And then that practically pagan book. So um, whatever that count is, that's what they are. And I think it's seven or eight. I don't remember now. <laughs> I didn't keep track of how many it was, but it's great. And uh, people can easily find you, I'm sure, by just typing in your name, your author name, either on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your publishers, or more best, I think, have a local bookstore order them in for them, right? Yes, exactly. And go through, I actually have a bookshop sort of portal shop, something like that. So you can get them and have your local bookstores get them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super. I like to support local bookstores when we can. Absolutely. Before we get started on the Norns, I want to check out the fact that you wrote a book about Iris. I did. I did. So uh, this won't be about Iris, but um, real quick, how is that working with her? I worked with her in the past uh, as a messenger and uh, really had a great experience with her. So this is really cool to um, have a book with her about her. So uh, how was that real quick? So I, so my name is for her. And so it's Iris Anya. And so I took this name because of an experience I had with Iris and that sort of called me into reclaiming witchcraft as a whole and sort of my whole journey as a teacher and all the things that I do now. So um, I wanted to write this book because there aren't any <laughs> on Iris. And um, so a little daunting to write a book that hasn't been written before. Um, I really enjoyed it. She inspired me throughout the whole book. There's a whole series, there's a whole practice that goes through the rainbow um, that I got from her as I was taking a break uh, during one of my uh, writing sessions. And so um, she and I are real close. We've been working together for a while. And so it was really an honor to bring her to life a little bit more and to shed some light on one of these like smaller deities. So let's let's talk about Norns. Yes. This is really exciting because there's not a lot of books about Norns. <laughs> are there? Mm -hmm. Nope. None there are uh, there's some there's some academic like more academic ones which are great um, that I reference in my book, but there really weren't a lot of books solely devoted to the Norns. Like there's a lot of Norse mythology books that talk about them a little bit, um, which I always find weird because the Norns are everywhere. Right. If they're time and like fate and destiny, why shouldn't they get a little bit more space and conversation? 
you're right. And and so many people reference them and talk about working with them so much that I, I was actually kind of surprised that, because when your book was announced and I started looking at it, I was like, huh, there really aren't any other accessible books, you know, easily accessible books devoted to the norms. Like you said, they're usually a paragraph or a chapter, uh, short chapter usually. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so it's great that uh, you have you were able to expand out a little bit on on this topic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about building the relationship. So this is a good start. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So um, how did you start into the researching aspect of it and understanding their significance in your practice as well as the practice of others to start formulating the idea for the book? And you kind of talk about this in the book itself, but absolutely. So. One of the things I try to do with a lot of my books is to write about deities or beings that I've worked with before. Uh, I think that for me, since so much of my writing is about building relationships and you know, fostering a connection in a really authentic way, I feel like I have to start there too. And so I, this book sort of was created out of A, wanting to bring the Norns into conversation a bit more. And so what I did in order to sort of come up with the ideas is I thought about how my practice looks and what I thought a person who had never met them before would need to know. So that's usually my approach is thinking about who are these folks? Why are they important? What do they come into contact with the most? So fate, destiny, and all of that that's in the book. Who are they? And there are many norns, not just the three I talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and I talk about each of the, like the, you know, the main character norns. And then, um, then talking about, um, I think it's really important to have a section on like how to build relationships and how to do that authentically and reciprocally. I think that's a word. And, and then sort of, you know, how to bring all that together. I, I try to think of it just as somebody, somebody just starting out, what do you absolutely need to know? And then I throw in like stories and throw in spell work and throw in trances and to keep it, you know, interesting. The flow of the book went really well for me anyway, and I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm not necessarily a linear person, but I kind of like things to sort of naturally kind of go into the next version. If it jumps around too much, it kind of, it, it confuses me. So I found that your book flowed very well and I really uh, was able to get through it comfortably for myself. Uh, you were talking about bringing in the groundwork, the basics and stuff. And part of, uh, I think what might be daunting to some people as these days, especially approaching uh, the Norse mythology and the the mantra from a lot of um, heathen people today, which is, oh, heathen is a religion with homework. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, fair, <laughs> not entirely untrue. <laughs> no, it's not entirely untrue. Uh, and it's great because uh, it really is helpful to understand the background and the history of the things that we're, we're recalling upon and practicing with and getting to know the gods and goddesses through the ages as well as today. So uh, that kind of brings me to this, is how to bridge the gap between that ancient mythology and how people connected with their own personal noces then, a uh, thousand years ago, 1,800 years ago or longer, uh, to now to bring it into a modern connection. And how do, we, how do you think that people can overcome that little bit of a fear of, oh, I've got to read all of this stuff in order to have a relationship with them. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a thing, right? And I think that that was something that always sort of stopped me in building relationships with deities. And then I sort of switched my thinking to, 
um, and maybe this is helpful for folks, I switched my thinking to, you know, building a relationship with a god is the same as building a relationship with a human, um, I think. And there's a lot of similarities. So I do want to start off with hearing like your stories. Where do you come from? Who, who said what about you? And I want to do the, you know, if it was before a first date, I want to go into Google and, you know, <laughs> type in your name and find out who's saying what and what your reputation. So I think that that is actually a really great place to start is going to the prose edda, the poetic edda and starting there with the caveat that there are multiple translations, everyone, and looking at the different translations and maybe considering who did the translating. Um, because just like as with humans, uh, the stories that are told about us are told through the lens of who's telling them. Um, so I believe that the best way to start is yes, to start with the stories, but also keep an open mind and think about when these stories were being told and who told them. What is the context? What was going on at that time? Because that informs what got written down and how it got told. So for me, from there, that is, there's a natural progression to how can I you know, build a relationship in a, a way that aligns with what I've learned already and also aligns with what I felt when I was beginning to work with them or speak with them or just become interested in them. So starting my own little practices and seeing what works and um, just sort of building something really natural from there because I think that if we get so prescriptive and sort of sticking to what was done before, uh, A, we're not in that time and we're not in that place usually. So it doesn't actually make sense for me at least. That's where I sort of start to shift away from the, the right way to do things and then into the way of this moment of doing things and just sort of adjusting from there based on how I'm building a relationship, what it feels like I should do next. Um, I think that that's the way that I would describe how I would sort of blend those two. Like for example, in the book, I made sure to not include um, a lot of attention on certain translations because some of them are have been clearly um, written to leave out certain things. So like there's there's a lot of critical thinking in this relationship building and um, doing this the right way. Like you said, this is all homework, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and especially adding the layer of looking at different translations of the Eddas, um, you know, because you, you can get some different insights. Absolutely. I think one of the things that's really important in any deity relationship building or just, you know, getting interested in someone is recognizing that the questions that we ask from today's lens don't always apply to what was going on then. They just don't. And so that's just something to continuously think about and continuously uh, analyze, I think. And I also think it's exciting because I really, truly, maybe this is just me, but I think I've heard other folks say this too. I really believe that the gods want us to celebrate them in a way that makes sense for us now because that continues their relevance. You know, if we're continuously looking at the past, things might start to feel irrelevant and thus they can die out. But if we bring them into this present moment, I think that that only extends their value, extends their storytelling, and continues the stories on for whatever comes next. I agree with you very much on that. That's a great way to, to say that. And uh, if I might just add on to that, right. I don't think that they've stopped changing. 
being who they are a thousand years ago. We've seen them progress just in the, the few stories that we have. And uh, we've seen them have opinions and ideas. And I mean, how many times has Freya been on a an auction block and she's like, oh no, <laughs> that is not happening. Uh, they're, they're not something that we can just thaw out and then take out and they're exactly as they were then. They've continued to progress, I think. That's my thing over time. And yes, they want to um, identify with us as we are uh, culturally today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that, I mean, I think that speaks of the Norns too. The Norns I feel are timeless. I mean, it's really easy to say they're timeless and timeful, right? So it's really easy to say that there's like, you know, past, present, future, but it's really all the times all at once. So it's just like with the gods, it's all their stories all the time, all at once. Yeah, absolutely. I, I That's such a great way to say that, especially, so that kind of brings up the talking about the Norns being all all the time, all at once. Uh, uh, let's let's kind of delve into that that web of weird, that fate that they're going on. Now that's, that can kind of confuse a lot of people. <laughs> and, and it's still confusing me at times when I start, when I really start thinking about it. I'm like, you know, scratch my head. I think I'm just going to uh, stop and uh, uh, do something else for a minute. So first of all, let's let's talk about there seems to be a lot of people that call are starting to call more upon the norms and connect into that. I see that in a lot of the pagan accounts that I see on um, social media in working with uh, Wiccan practitioners, they, they call upon the Norns. But I also s- tend to see, and you address this a little bit in the book, is that it's almost like they are conflated with the Moray, the, the Greek goddesses of fate. You know, like, oh, they're, they're the same, they just have different names, but they're really the same. <laughs> I'm sighing right now. <laughs> and uh, let's, let's just, let's differentiate that. Let's pull that out and say, yes, what, what, what about that real quick? Uh, I just think that it's, I think it's really just human tendency to want to see similarities in, you know, similarities in groups that seem similar. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that it is not the most um, unreasonable thing to do. But I think when you start to conflate different pantheons, you start to lose what the context. And because the Norns are in a different context than the Moray and the Fates. And while they might have similar elements, I'm not going to dismiss that. I just don't think, I think you start to lose the, the impact of what the Norns have to offer when you're taking them out of context and saying, oh, they're just like anyone else. Um, it's like when I think, I think I've heard like early in my witchy career about like, you know, all gods are sort of all the same. No, they're not. <laughs> I was very clear about that from the start. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, they can have different facets, absolutely, but I don't believe that. You know, more power to whoever does. Um, but I just, I think you lose something by trying to generalize things. I agree with you. Just look at hum- humans today. I mean, how many of us have similar characteristics or similar interests, similar ways of doing things, similar names? Mm-hmm. But we're all different people, right? So why not the gods and the goddesses? And I just don't like to use things interchangeably. I think it gets confusing. I think that, you know, I'm somebody who works with Aphrodite and I don't mix it up with Venus. It's not that I don't understand the connection, but I just don't. And I think that like with humans, if there was even two people with the same name, they're still not the same person. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's just talk about fate and weird in a nutshell, if that's possible. Yeah, that's a big, yeah, it's a big one, right? Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I 
learned about the Norns sort of, so I sort of learn about deities and stuff sort of organically. I really, the last thing I do is research into their stories, even though I tell people to do that first. I personally uh, like to experience them first and then go back and find out what's been going on. But that's my personal stuff. Follow it if you like. Um, so I think one of the things that sort of got highlighted to me at one point when I was doing, I was teaching something with someone who has been a Norse practitioner their whole life. And um, they brought up this idea of fate and they said, you know, fate is really about the idea that yes, something is set out before you and that's the, the places you're going to go and the life you're gonna live. But you always have a choice in how you meet that. And to me, that felt like if there was any shoulder tension about free will <laughs> and destiny, it's sort of released because I do, I can see that the way that perhaps there is some path for me to do. And I do have a choice though in how I interact with that. And I can change the way my life is by the way that I interact with. So that's a more of a modern, I think, take on that, uh, or at least a maybe a simpler, to me, it's a simple explanation. It gets real complicated. Um, there's a whole bunch of terms I use in the book. I'm just, I just throw it all out there and go, <laughs> good luck. Because I think that, I mean, it is confusing, but I, to a certain extent, I feel that, I think it's maybe a, a current culture thing, again, to make everything so neat and orderly and clearly defined. I don't think this is w what that is. I, I think that it's not clear. I think that it's not understandable necessarily. So I think there are going to be spots that are gray and mysterious, and that's okay. Um, good thing we're not in charge. That's what I always say. Um, or at least I'm not. I'm definitely not in charge. So I talk in the book about like fate and destiny. Um, try to sort of wiggle those out a little bit. And I found it so funny that, you know, the definitions even in dictionaries are so vague. Mm -hmm. You know, destiny. Something to which a person or thing is destined. Really? <laughs> And, you know, a predetermined course of events, um, often held to be an irresistible power or agency. And fate, the will or principle or determining cause by which things in general are believed to come to be as they are, or events to happen as they do. So good job, Miriam Webster. <laughs> but so, so one could say that, you know, if fate is the thing that's, you know, kind of pushing us in a direction, destiny is the thing that we're being pushed towards, right? Are pushed into. And then the weird, W-Y-R-D, is the, I picture this as a web. Um, and for me, that makes more sense when I can describe it that way. The weird is all of us, all humans, all of us having some part in this web. And because it's a web, we're all connected. And that is what the Norns are, you know, we could say that the Norns are weaving this, and this is the way that we're all connected in this humanity and in life um, as we know it. Because we are all connected, that also means that we can sort of yank a little bit of our weird and wiggle somebody else's. Mm -hmm. I love that image for me because it really centers the idea that A, we're all connected, two, we're not alone, and three, we don't have to do this all by ourselves, and we actually can't. Um, we are inextricably linked to others. Um, so that, so weird, you know, we could tease that out a bit more, but basically, you know, the Norns are, you know, the ones that are weaving, spinning, whatever your interpretation is, weaving and spinning these threads that are the measure of life and then are cut at death and we're cut out of the weird. 
So in the book, I talk about like this, the, like an image of the web of weird, which is more modern, but it is an image that contains all the runes um, from Norse mythology because the weird contains all of the knowledge and all of the stories and all the histories of humans and not humans too. I think for me, what is important to say at this point is that, you know, the weird is something that I think is such a, a message of hope. Uh, again, for that idea that we're not alone and that we don't have to do this alone, that we all have a part to play. And I think that it's really something that comes out of the context of when these stories, beings came into being. Norse culture was not a place where you could be a rugged individual. You had to rely on other folks. Mm -hmm. It was not a place that you could just you know, set out on your own and everything was going to be great. You needed to do things to help your community so that you would survive. And to not do that would impact the weird. It would impact everyone if you chose not to do it. So it's a big concept with big consequences. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I kind of tend to uh, envision the web of weird in a similar way that you described, uh, kind of all connected in some ways intricately and some a little bit more about, and we all kind of impact each other. And I really love how you said that, uh, and I hadn't really thought about that before, but how you said that it means that we're not alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a big thing that I bring up in a lot of my magic. So maybe I'm just seeking it out in everything that I do. But I really believe that that's part of what relationships with gods are. It is the reminder that we're actually never alone. And as much as the overculture wants to tell us that, wants to separate us, wants to make us believe that you know, you have to figure it out on your own. I don't think we do. And I think that that is the beauty of being a magical practitioner or whatever you want to call yourself, mm -hmm. um, that they can remind us of that. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that you took time to work with each of the three main that we're familiar with, Earth, Radhandi, Unschooled. And mm -hmm. so I really like that you dedicated a chapter on each. And uh, I'm definitely going to call upon you to talk about your favorite or the one that you work most with. I don't know if you want to call it <laughs> your favorite, but yes. so, uh, and I also love that you created uh, a, a suggestion for how someone can connect with each one. And let's just talk about who each of them are and how, uh, and do you think that someone should approach them as a unit, all three? Or is it okay to work with one more than another? Or does that depend on the situation? Uh, I would say yes. So that's my answer to that. I think you should do what calls to you. I don't think there's a right way to do a lot of magic. Um, so I think that I think you follow what feels true to you. I mean, I separated them all out because I think that makes it easier for folks who are like, I don't know what to do. This is really overwhelming. So maybe I'll just start with one. Um, but also there's a lot of power in them as a group. So there's also that. Um, so I say to anybody who's, you know, close your eyes and pick one if that, if you're really not sure. But I think too, like just reading about what each one of them is sort of about, will probably give you a little nudge in the direction that feels right. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I knew the answer was gonna be yes. <laughs> I'm, I give very vague answers. I mean, empowering answers. That's what I mean, yes, empowering. <laughs> I think it's very, uh, absolutely, because 
depends on what you need at the time, right? And uh, how how they individually or together can can help you out through that. Uh, so um, out of the three, um, there's one that you tend to be more close to. So I do actually say it in the book because I decided to be authentic there too. Um, I often say, you know, I don't have a favorite, but I do. And <laughs> my favorite is Ferdandi. And Ferdandi has been the Norn who uh, is, the, is the greatest challenge for me. And she offers to me at least the reminder of this moment is the one that counts. I actually had a pretty intense kind of visceral experience with her the other day when I was on a walk. I just had a picture of her grabbing my forearms and sort of saying, you need to be here right now. Like, do not be somewhere else. You need to just be here. For me, she is, she is also the norn of the fleeting opportunity and also the potential. Because if she is the right now, which is the easiest way to describe it, it's not that simple, but it is the easiest way to describe it. If she is the right now, then she is right now and right now. And it's very quick. And there's a lot of power in being present in a moment. There's also a lot of responsibility, but there's also a lot of grace because you do get another moment most of the time, uh, hopefully. Uh, but what I would say really with her is for me, me and her have really worked on how I can be more present because each time I am present, I am adding to hopefully uh, a positive slash memorable slash honorable past, but also adding to that into the future too. Because every time I make a decision that is present and that is the best one I can make in the moment, I am building something backwards and forwards. So she has really just been a, uh, Stay still, Iris Anya. Stay in this moment. You do not need to worry about what's coming next. You do not need to fix what happened before. You can't. So stay here and approach this moment the best you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. What's some advice you can give? Someone's listening or someone's going to pick up your book and they're going to be like, I'm not quite sure what direction to take it or who to choose. And I know you said close your eyes and pick one, but what are some ways that people can go beyond that okay, I've picked one, what's my next step? Yeah, I mean, I think that, so for each of the, the three main character norns, uh, I do list out different ways that they can, things that I tend to work with them on. So different sort of, how did I phrase it? Like, what does, what does each norn offer? And so like, for example, in Verdandi, I list things like presence, gratitude, opportunity, personal power, values and boundaries. So if someone were to pick up this book, you might look at those different things that they offer and go, hmm, that's something that I want to work on. And then later in the chapter, there's like a trance, usually because I'm a big trance person or path working for folks who might use that phrase. Um, so that's a way to sort of like really learn and step into that norm. So you might look at, okay, first themes and then a little meeting with the norm to see if are we compatible. And then at the end of each section, I have suggestions. So everything from unsurprising with Verdandi, meditation, mm -hmm. um, grounding, um, I put moment reminders. So basically these are reminders like in your phone or something like that to go, what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, and also a real a practice about staying with your emotions in the moment. Um, 
and also I really love to do things that are very um, kinesthetic. I'm a big fan of that. So another thing in Verdandi's, for example, is measuring your life because that's sort of what her role is often designated. She's the measurer. And so doing a practice around like measuring your life up to this point, what has been in that measure? What have you accomplished? What have you done? And what do you want to do next? And also I have, you know, little practices, little magic-y magic um, for each of them because I think that's always fun. But I think that, you know, really thinking about what their sort of um, energy is and then maybe meeting up with them. So it kind of gives you a different, a couple different gateways or portals, I guess, mm -hmm. gateways uh, to go through in order to see if this is the right relationship. And if it doesn't feel right, then you can move to somebody else and see what they have to offer. Um, but for folks who have no concept of the norms or just really, you know, do you want to look at maybe things that have come before? Are you thinking about the right now? Are you thinking about something that happens and is unfolding in the future? That's the easy version. Um, but as you read this, you'll find out it's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you just give so many great practical ways to start a path of reaching out and connecting. And if, if someone is coming at this from a very basic start, or maybe they are a little bit nervous about reaching out to maybe the, the, the Norse uh, pantheon is something they've not worked with before, or, but they've gotten interested in it thanks to uh, a modern resurgence of storytelling uh, and the popularity of certain uh, cinematic versions of the yeah. god goddesses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, and Vardruna uh, and Heilung and yes, <laughs> all the music too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so much uh, music bringing this in and uh, it's really becoming uh, a way for people to connect with that uh, aspect and broaden their their relationships out. So um, I kind of forgot which direction I was going to go with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think you were talking about how I had given enough ways in. And yeah. I think I would just echo that, you know, one of my goals in the books that I write is to create access points. I think that the God should be accessible. It shouldn't be super. I, I don't like things that are very complicated. So I hope to offer things that are simple and things you can do. You don't need a lot of stuff. You don't need a lot of past experience. You just need a, some willingness to give it a try. Absolutely. And as a part of that, uh, say there's someone who's been a longtime practitioner of working with the Norse gods and goddesses, and they pick up the book. So they're probably familiar with the stories or maybe worked with the Norns or been in meditations. And do you find that there's something there for them to pick up your book as well? I think one of the things that somebody who's been practicing for a long time might get out of this, because I actually had some beta readers for this book who have been practicing for a long time. And a couple of things that they said to me was that were that um, the practices were uh, simple and also sort of, I don't want to say non-denominational, I don't know what the right word is, but they're not, they, they were more, they're broader than other practices that are very typically Norse. I have, I'm a kind of an eclectic kind of being. And so I like things that are um, not so defined, I think. So I think that what somebody who's practicing for a while might get out of this is the idea that the norns are not only placed in the time and context that they were in, but they can also be placed very firmly into the modern. And so that's where I went with things. How can we bring this into the modern? How can I bring this into being a work of personal practice? 
but also a practice that could be informative of justice work, could also be informative of intergenerational healing, things like that. I kind of wanted to bring them into what, what, can, what can we do with them for today, too, as opposed to looking in the past and trying to recreate that. Great. Yeah. Um, there's so much to explore in there, so much to get by going through that. And maybe someone might think, oh, yeah, you know, I have a relationship with the Lawrence. Well, go through this and check mm -hmm. because you might find a whole different part of a way to work with them that is just sparked by the imagination or sparked by uh, the intuition that they can get from uh, going through the book itself. And the truth of the matter is when I was writing it, I learned a whole bunch too. I, you know, cause I do want to expand every now and then and figure out what else I could bring into my practice. There was so much that I learned. There were, there were some nuances to some of the norms that I hadn't considered. And um, like with scold and the idea of not just like what is becoming or the future, however we want to make that simplified right now, mm -hmm. but also the debt, like what am I going to have to contend with in the future based on my actions right now. And that was a nuance that I hadn't considered. And I think that that's something that maybe would be fascinating to folks from all different levels. Yeah, yeah. And one of the uh, interesting things that we read about them when uh, we read the pros or the eddas is the work that they're doing at the root of the world tree, the, the three wells, watering the world, the roots, uh, putting the mud on the roots. When you were exploring some of that to bring that into the book, what did you envision that that might engage somebody with as they learn the significance of us learning about those wells, the rivers that go through there and, and how they, how someone might be able to meet them there? And I think one of the most, one of the most, I don't want to say basic, but one of the most foundational practices, I think, of maybe of Norse mythology is the traveling to the base of the world tree. I think that, you know, traveling to Idrisil and meeting the Norns at the base is an opportunity to remember that they are constantly working on the weird. They are constantly trying to nourish the tree. And when I think of that, I think of the reminders of how we can also nourish ourselves. How do we do that? Do we, how do we fill our well? How do we continuously protect our roots? Um, what are the spells that we need for that? What are the you know, self-care practices that we need for that? I think that, you know, I think what is probably becoming clear to folks who are listening is that, yes, I could use a lot of Norse terminology, but also this is also, you know, kind of foundational stuff for being a human. How do I go into the base of the world tree is also about asking myself, how do I continue to nourish something that's important to me? How do I get help with that? How do I sit with people that I know and trust and do that and commit to that? Because it is something that needs to be done again and again, consistently, even in the face of Ragnarok, even in the face of things going badly, how can I still return there? And remember that this is where things start, where things end, and we still go on. Wow, I was really excited to see the book come out. And I just think that you did a great job with telling the story and bringing in the references that were needed to um, help us understand more about the Norns. So great, 
great work on that. I mean, that must have been um, a labor of love. A very labor of love. Tell us about that. How did that? So we, we talked a little bit about the beginning, but um, not so much about the the spark that all of a sudden did one of them tap the Gandhi tap you on the shoulder and say, um, by the way, I want you to write a book about us. Well, so, okay. So I, I went back and listed all the books on, on purpose because that sort of tells the timeline of why I chose different um, books at different times or proposed books at different times, I should say. Um, Aphrodite, Aphrodite, I really was, I knew she needed to be first. And then Iris kind of tapped me and said, hey, I, you actually worked with me first. And then, <laughs> and then the Norns were pretty quickly after that because they're like, yeah, we've been around a little bit longer than, you know. So I think there was a little bit of a tapping, but also, um, I think that there, I, I think that on some level, I don't know if it's always conscious, but maybe I tend to get pulled to writing certain books when they're appropriate for the timeline of, of, of I don't want to say the world, that sounds a little too earnest, but when it's sort of like appropriate for the timeline of the moment. Um, and I wrote The Norns like a year ago. So I did write it with the intention of not only celebrating beings that I knew and loved, but also I really wanted to have a book about hope at its core. I really wanted to have a book about the idea that we're not alone and that we're all connected. And hey, you have these beings that you can call to to remind you of that. So I, I think sometimes maybe, maybe the better way to say this is not, yeah, the Norns totally were in my face, but also I would say that the, the undercurrent of the message or the undercurrent of the inspiration was really what pushed me. And sort of said, these are the folks to bring this forward. Because um, I can say that about every deity book that I've written, that there's a there's an underlying current that I was kind of the point um, of each one. And I didn't always know it when I proposed the book. I sometimes found out as I was writing. I see. That's kind of interesting when you get those little nudges or those uh, those inspirations, those points of inspirations, isn't it? Then, then when it blossoms and blooms into the final project, it's a great feeling of accomplishment and connection and all of that. So, and, and then you get to share it with with many many folks. Yeah, it's it's quite a it's it's a very fun job. It is a very fun job. Great. Well, as we get ready to, to kind of wrap up, uh, is there anything else that you want to? bring out about the relationship with the Norns or what readers can, how they can connect with that a little bit better? I mean, I think that there are a couple things that I would pull out from the book. Um, so sometimes when I'm writing things, I am just sort of moved to write certain things. I don't always have a plan. And then they just sort of come out. And so I, there's one line in the book that I, I'd like to sort of bring out because this might help people who are I kind of want to just work with one Norns, three seems kind of overwhelming. Um, how do I choose? So there's a line in the Verdandi, Verdandi section um, that I, I wrote the sentence and I, somebody pointed it out when they were a beta reader. And I kind of don't remember writing it, but I, it sounds like me. So, hmm. um, so this, the line is, if Erd is the opening of eyes, then Verdandi is a deep breath and scold is the movement and momentum towards whatever comes next. And I think that encapsulates their energy as a movement versus a definition. They are the ones that open up to what has been and take that breath before you make any decision. And then you move, whether you want to or not, uh, into what happens next. 
So I think that's something I want to pull out from all of the things. But I would also offer, as I flip through my book right now, and remember what I said. I could read things from that, but I think what I want to say, there's a, there's a section right towards the end that's, um, take your place in the web of the weird. And I kind of walk folks through, you know, closing your eyes and really feeling yourself in this place of connection. You know, imagine the threads of your life stretching out from your body. These stretch out to your parents, your siblings, other family members, your partners, your friends, your teachers, your pets, your neighbors, your healthcare providers, and the people you've met in your life. And remember how these threads have been attached to you. All the ways that you have been impacted by others, small and large, and the ways that you have impacted the lives of others in big and small ways. And notice the tension or the slack, the colors, the textures, the lengths of these threads, notice them all. And notice how you are in the center of your life experience, but also play a role in the lives of others. Wow, and the, uh, uh, the line that you had in Verdandi, I had underlined. <laughs> it's a good one. I, I do vaguely remember writing it, but I don't really, <laughs> uh, you know, that's writing for you. That um, is. I tend to kind of be, I don't want to say possessed by the beings when I'm writing, but a little bit. So I, I am the conduit through which a lot of things happen. Yeah, I loved it. That, that, that is a great piece to, to offer. So some of the things that you do is you teach workshops and whatnot, or uh, do you offer online opportunities that people could join you or are you visiting, are you doing a, a circuit of con conventions or festivals, Pagan Pride Days, things like that, where people can find you? So currently I am in that planning phase of classes. Um, I just got done with a whole bunch of classes and I taught at a witch camp um, earlier this year. Um, it's Reclaiming Does Witch Camps, and I taught in Australia, and I'm going to be teaching at a witch camp in Canada uh, in less than a month. So I will often teach at witch camps, like around the world, and also I do do online classes. Uh, I am working on a Norns class because that seems appropriate. I have done one already. It was last beginning of this year. I did an online class about the Norns. Um, I'm also in talks with another uh, heathen group about offering some things through that. So stay tuned. I don't know if I can talk about that yet, but there are things happening. So I think that if folks want to see what I'm up to, what I'm planning and all of that, I have a website that's really helpful and a newsletter that's that can give insights um, into when my ADHD brain actually gets things scheduled. So, but I imagine there are going to be some more things coming out soon. I know that they're written down in other places. They just haven't been made public yet. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. there are plans, everyone. Uh, the Norns are definitely gonna come out and play. Um, but I've also taught, you know, things around Aphrodite and Iris and also a lot of core classes in reclaiming because that's uh, the tradition I work primarily in. Uh, I have done some conferences. I'm gonna be at an, I'm doing, I'm doing an online conference with my publisher in I think September 9th and 10th. It is online, it is free. It is called MoonCon, and I will be talking about the Norns. So I present, I believe, on September 9th. It is on MoonBook's Facebook page, and it'll just be streamed through there. And if you can't catch it at that time, it'll be posted up on the MoonBook's YouTube channel so we can watch it later again and again. But I will be talking about the Norns then. I attended MoonCon last year. I think the year before that, and I really enjoyed it. And there's a lot of great opportunity to 
get in touch with authors of different books and the topics that, that you all are writing about. So that's really good. And uh, can people follow you on Facebook or Instagram? Oh, yeah. I am in all the places. So I do have a Facebook page, like an author page on Facebook. I have my regular Facebook. I have um, definitely an Instagram. I have threads, sort of. It's dusty. I haven't really played with that in a second. I got really excited and then stopped. So I'll probably go back. I am not on Twitter or X or whatever the heck it's called now. I also have a TikTok, which is a hilarious place. You can see me try weird things and just have fun. But I think the main places are Facebook and Instagram. And I'm sure I'm not thinking of other places that I'm in, but those, oh, I have a Substack. That's the other thing. I really love Substack. So that's a place where you hear my, uh, my thoughts about magic and about how uh, it intersects with various moments of our lives. I mean, I, I really, I kind of embody Verdandi by really talking a lot about moments and about how we can expand those moments out to be really important. Well, great. Well, I'll have some links to some of those uh, places to find you, and then people can just do a nice Google search, and I'm sure they'll find you, or they can just ask you, hey, where are you on TikTok, or how do I get your Substack, and uh, all of that good stuff, and that's great. And I do encourage folks to tune in to the MoonCon, because that really is interesting, and uh, it's there's, there's a really large variety of folks to uh, listen to and to uh, to be a part of, so that was a really great opportunity. I was really super excited that I got a hold of that. Yeah, we love it. We love the interaction. So please come on down, I guess, to the MoonCon. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it is. Irisanya, please remind us of the couple of books that you mentioned that are coming up. Yeah, I have a couple more. Uh, yeah, I just, I stay busy. So, um, so the Norns just came out and the next ones that are going to be coming up are in I think it's November or December. Uh, there is an Earth Spirit book. It's part of this whole series that Moon Books is doing on environmentalism and activism. Um, and the book is on Gaia. And it's Saving Her, Saving Ourselves. And it is a book on how we create relationships with Gaia in order to heal the Earth. So sort of working with two things and also a lot of stuff about environmental activism and how we can do our, do our little part. In April of 2024, I have a book, uh, Artemis, uh, coming out, uh, Goddess of the Wild Hunt and Sovereign Heart. And that is a book that really looks at Artemis from the lens of she's a, she's a hunter and trying to move away from the softness that sometimes comes with being a huntress. You know, she's a very firm and strong being. And so I really dive into that. I'm in the midst of editing the next book, so I don't know when the next one will be out, but it is uh, Circe. Uh, will come out uh, probably a year from now-ish. Uh, and I've got a couple other books that are in the works. Uh, I haven't quite started them yet, but they've got a lot of, there are a lot of Greeks coming. Oh, I will return to the Norse at some point. You know, if I could call out to the future right now and for folks who are more Norse oriented, the book that I really want to write is on Golvig because I got to work with Golvig at a witch camp once and just fell in love with her. So, and she has so much to offer, even in that just small eight lines of text that she's in. Right. Um, so I really, I really feel like there's a book in that. So maybe someday. Yes. And when you do, um, hopefully we'll have you back with us to talk about her. That'd be great. Anytime. 
So one of the other things I wanted to say is that, you know, these things take time, but The Norns is my first book to actually get translated into another language. Um, a Dutch publisher reached out. And so that is going to, don't know really what the timeline is on it, but it, The Norns is going to be in Dutch. And there will also be, I, I talked with the publisher and there's going to be this four page article on me and this book. Um, it'll be in Dutch though, folks, but uh, still be very interesting. And uh, I know the picture, I, at least I can recognize that. So I just wanted to share that because it's pretty exciting news um, and it happened pretty quickly. So uh, I'm hopeful that that's going to arrive sooner rather than later. And I'll keep folks in, in the know as I know things. So that is really exciting because I'm of Dutch heritage. So this is really exciting that we're going to have the book nice. published in Dutch. And I just think that that's super. Yeah. It's very exciting. Very, I was very shocked, but also very excited. <laughs> so. It has. It has been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. And I wish you well in all of your endeavors and with Moon Books and, and I look forward to uh, keeping in touch with you. Anytime. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please have a look at the show notes for links and, well, notes. Podcast is available from Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and other podcast catchers. Feedback and reviews are greatly appreciated. Please follow me on Instagram at WeirdGifts1 and on Facebook at, at GiftsOfTheWeird. And email me at GiftsOfTheWeird.com. Thanks and have a great day. To the sons of men, to the sons of men, and set their face.